This is the Wildflower Bee Farm Report for Tuesday, November 17, 2020. Well, we've got snow on the ground today. I'm not sure what it's like where you are, but we woke up this morning with our first dusting, I guess, of snow. Temperature has been in the minus 3, minus 4 um, sort of range, so it's been cold. Um, the bees, believe it or not, when the, when the temperature hits 11 or 12, the Celsius, they're out there flying, and, and we saw just a week ago they're bringing in pollen and nectar, still pollen from the white sweet clover and the crimson clover. I'd have to say that the, uh, the white clover is the most viable plant this year on the farm. Just you know, blooming for three to four months, um, constantly producing for them. It's, it's like their recharging station. Yes, they were working all the other wildflowers and all the other opportunities they had on the farm but they're also really know I think that they have that that sort of base of very strong uh, food uh, that they can go to to uh, keep them healthy but there's still enough diversity on the farm to give them the healthy food that they need so as as I've talked about in previous podcasts we have sensors inside of the hives we have some 10 right now um, three of them are are on pilot testing with home except homeaccept.com, a, a company that actually was started and, and continues to thrive to help seniors age in place in their home safely. And uh, as an investor in that company, I talked to them about bees and they sent me a bunch of monitors. So I set them up in three hives closer to the house so I could use the internet here. And I've come up with, uh, you know, it's, it's been fascinating and, and the help it's provided is, is unbelievable. Um, we have one hive and, and I think you know when I talked in previous podcasts about getting ready for winter, the majority of our hives have a winter blanket on top, it's called, made out of pine shavings. And it's screened and there's an airflow section to allow for moisture to not condensate inside the hive, drip on the bees and eventually kill them in the winter. We also test are testing, just in a few cases, these um, winter blankets that are made commercially that are very thin, but they're also supposed to not only insulate, but soak in moisture. And through our monitoring, we have three hives, the three hives I told you about who have the home accept monitors side by side. They're averaging in that 70 to 72% humidity with the exception of the hive that has the commercial uh, moisture blanket beneath our shavings and that is in the 90 percent 90 percent humidity now on the one hand that hive was thriving because it was warmer the insulation was about five degrees four to five degrees difference uh, internal hive temperature compared to the other hives with the pine shavings but the 91% humidity is very concerning. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go in and, and I think if that continues, that hive will not make it through the winter. I'm going to go in today and I'm going to take out the commercial um, blanket and leave the shavings, make sure the shavings are all there, taking care of them. And hopefully monitoring that over time, that humidity will be more in that 70 to 60 range and, and they'll be okay. Without that monitor, I wouldn't have known that. And I think that's why having an internal hive monitor is really important. Um, if we can continue to work with the technology and companies like Home Accept. The other uh, monitors we have are brood minders and you need to be close to the hive, like standing right beside the hive to get the Bluetooth to download. We have one hive that's on the cellular network where we can log in remotely. 
All three of the hives with Home Accept, however, we can log in remotely. So that's pretty exciting. And as we build out that technology, I think that's going to be a solution the next generation because it also has artificial intelligence embedded to help with the hive monitoring. So I will let you know next time how it goes because because as soon as I'm finished with this podcast, I'm going to be just getting some warmth on and going out and uh, making that change on that one hive. Point two for this podcast, we uh, did a bit of inventory. Mary did some digging on all the different wildflowers and blooming shrubs and trees that we have here now that benefit the honeybees and wild pollinators. And there are 91 wildflower species, tree and shrub species combined on the farm now. In our first year of uh, transforming uh, the farm from agriculture back to nature. I find the most fascinating thing is when I look at the the part of the farm, the 30 acres that recently has been farmed with uh, corn and soybeans and look at the fact it's been used, they've used Roundup for years, that all of a sudden when that stops, flowers start appearing, wildflowers start appearing that weren't planted there intentionally by us. And you just look at that and, and say it doesn't take long to start to restore um a piece of property once you just leave it alone basically um, now I did successfully as you know plant the wildflowers in the tall grass prairie we include those there's some 15 to 20 different species of, of those that are included in that 91 but there's probably about 60 or 70 different uh, wildflower shrub uh, tree species that have come on their own if you will that are now available to the bees and natural pollinators. And that, that's a reason to celebrate how quickly things can come around. Point three, this week's virtual field trip at wildflowerbeefarm.com is a, is a really, you know, I, I go through hours upon hours of videos. And this video, um, once I slowed it down, it was a couple of minutes, but it's just a few seconds of bees pulling out uh, larvae. And, and it could have been a... Um, wax moth, but I really think it was a drone larvae, and and how they pulled it out to clean house. And and when I watched that, I was just amazed by the size of this larva, which obviously is larger in, in size almost than a worker bee. Two bees were doing the work, and I thought, what decision making of the bees? They they make a decision to engage in this for whatever reason. They realize from instinct or learn behavior that the the larvae this time of the year have no purpose they're going to take up resources they can't afford that so they they pull them out and uh, dispose of them so a couple points there uh the work is amazing and and i also wondered were these winter bees or regular uh bees that are about to end their life um <clears throat> or who who was doing the cleaning and who decides that all of a sudden, this is your job to, to do this. So there's some interesting questions there. Now, next steps uh, for the uh, virtual field trips, we'll be doing some infrared uh, temperature pictures of the hives to look at where they're located. We'll continue to work with the um, internal monitors, and hopefully we won't have to intervene as I'm going to today, but 
we're going to have to continue to keep track and then we'll, we'll relate that to the outcomes in the spring and summer and the productivity of the hives and the survival of the hives based and use some of that uh, as data to help us better understand. But at this point early in the game, it looks like that our natural blankets as, as uh, someone named Rusty that I got it off of the internet and many other beekeepers talk about where you put a screen and then you put in uh, pine shavings with some bents will help uh, with moisture and help with hive survival. So I'm about to head out to grab that blanket and I will uh, talk to you uh, next week and let you know how, uh, how it turned out. I'm Hank from the wildflowerbeefarm.com. You have an amazing week. <laughs>